Welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness, where we explore health, fitness, transitioning, and queer life from beyond the binary. Proudly brought to you by Fearless Movement Collective, the home of queer fitness and health. And here's your host, Bowie Stobar. Hi there, welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness. This is episode six. My name is Bowie Stover. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm flippin' stoked to have you join me. This show is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never was and never will be ceded, and I pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging. In this episode, we'll be looking at sleep and how it influences our mental and physical health. We'll also be looking at some of the hormonal and physiological and psychological responses that are associated with sleep. It's a lot that goes on. Sleep, that one thing where you just lay down and close your eyes, leads to a lot of things happening in your life. (laughs) So by the end of this episode, I'm hoping that you have a better idea on why sleep is important how sleep influences all of our bodies and what you can do to help you get more sleep and better sleep. So why is sleep so important? So sleep is something that pretty much all living things do or are required to do. And this is to different extents uh, depending on, I guess, what creature you are. (laughs) Okay, take a cat, for example. They sleep for something like 20 hours a day. But people generally need to get around seven to nine hours. So depending on who you are, what you are, you are going to need sleep. Now, the amount of sleep that we get is directly connected to our mental health and our physical health. So what do I mean by that? Well, our body's ability to respond to stress That's whether that's physical stress, mental stress, or emotional stress. Uh, Maintain a strong immune response, regulate emotions, have clarity of thought and mental focus, coordinate movements, recover from physical activity, regulate hunger responses, and rationalize or make decisions are all influenced by sleep. That's huge. The implications on that, like if we take a look at the fact that that pretty much outlines everything that happens in our life and sleep is such a huge part of that now to put it into some perspective when we function in a sleep deficit that is to say when we accumulate less sleep each night than what we require to function optimally now everyone is different generally it's between seven and nine hours of sleep so let's say you're someone who needs eight hours of sleep every night and you know that if you get eight hours of sleep a night you wake up the next day you feel fresh you feel energized you feel clear you feel just motivated to just generally life now if you were someone who needs eight hours of sleep but for two or three nights in a row get say six and a half hours sleep you're now functioning in a sleep deficit because you're not accumulating the required amount of sleep it's like a bank deposit you deposit sleep into your account and it stays high. But if we withdraw from our sleep account and our, our account becomes a bit empty, so that's a sleep deficit when we're lacking in the accumulated amount of sleep that we need. Over a period of a really short time, if you're someone who needs 
eight hours of sleep and you get six and a half hours, say for two nights, you're in a sleep deficit. Now, this influences the brain to such an extent that it is actually comparable in brain functionality to having a blood alcohol reading of 0.05, which in Australia is regarded as legally drunk. Now, that's really full on if you think about that. Having a couple nights of bad sleep can make your brain function as though you are legally drunk. Like this is why sleep plays such a huge role in our lives, even if we don't really think it's such a big deal. If you look at it like that, that's kind of scary. So you imagine how many people may be out there who have had a couple of bad nights sleep, but then go drive their car and are technically functioning and a state of being legally drunk. And this is why sleep is so important, because that clarity of thought and mental focus I influence in such a huge way. I, I know for myself, I, I generally function best on about seven and a half to eight hours sleep. And if I don't get that each night, I know the next day I feel cloudy in my head. I struggle to just concentrate or remember things, uh, <laughs> which can be really frustrating because you would think like it seems like the simplest thing, whether it's like I make my partner and myself a coffee each. Now they have theirs weaker than myself. And on a morning where I haven't had a good night's sleep, I can pour the coffee into the two cups sitting beside each other, uh, pour the coffee in at the different strengths that we have, you know, top it up, put the milk in and then look at the cups and not even remember which cup I've put the strong coffee in. And it's something so simple as that can be influenced so hugely by just 45 minutes lack of sleep because our brain requires that to be able to function in the way that needs to function. Now we are all going to be different. I know some people who who shared with me that they sleep for like six hours a night and that's perfect for them. That if they sleep too much, they actually start feeling kind of cloudy and, and kind of mental focus is down and the coordination is down. And we're all going to be different in that respect. But the average is about seven to nine hours of sleep each night to really be in a a um, stable mental and physiological state. And it's especially concerning if you start looking at how how it influences our immune response as well. I know I did this particularly when I was much younger. I used to go out and party a lot. And alcohol also contributes to that kind of <laughs> that um, negative impact on sleep as well. But I would spend a weekend out, uh, not get much sleep at all, and then the following week I'd end up sick, I'd end up run down, and that lack of sleep is a big contributing factor to that immune response. So when we get overtired, when we get run down and, and not enough sleep, that's when we do tend to get more sick as well. So what is sleep? Scarily enough, scientists don't actually know what sleep is. They know how it works. They know how it influences the body. They know we lay down, we close our eyes, the body goes into a relaxed state and our conscious brain pretty much gets put on pause. So that's kind of the physiological response to sleep. As to why we need sleep, scientists are still studying that, which I find quite fascinating because for it being such an integral part of our daily lives, and I think it's been calculated that we sleep over 20 years of our life by the time we get to um, an older age. So that's a huge part of our life that we spend in this state. So to me, that tells me that maybe it'd be a good thing to try and get the best sleep that I can because I'm going to spend so much time doing it. I'm as well 
you know, get the most out of it. (laughs) Now, as I mentioned earlier, adults need between seven to nine hours of sleep. It's believed that the reason we do need sleep is so our bodies can physically recover from daily activity. So this is, you know, just our general day-to-day life. It's training. It's any sort of uh, physical activity that may cause stress on the body. And it's so that our brains can process and organize our thoughts and experiences. So everything that we experience each day, everything that we see, everything that we kind of do or who we interact with, our brain needs time to kind of sort through that, categorize it, put it into memories, analyze what, what information is necessary and what is not. And it helps to shape who we are. And sleep um, helps our brain to process all of that and do all that without the conscious brain or the conscious mind being there, getting distracted and doing all the things that our, conscious, our consciousness does. Sleep is made up of five stages. There are two main stages of sleep. One is REM sleep or rapid eye movement and one is non-REM sleep. Now non-REM sleep makes up four of the five stages of sleep. So stage one is that transitioning between awake and asleep. It's that weird stage where, you know, you're kind of drifting off and then all of a sudden you feel like you're falling and you like jolt yourself. Yeah, that, that, that's stage one. <laughs> and so it's kind of pre-sleep. Stages two, three, and four are when eye movement stops, uh, your body temperature drops and you sleep deeply. It's kind of the the main part of when we sleep. And then REM, a rapid eye movement, is that fifth stage of sleep. So it's when our, as the name would suggest, our eyes move rapidly. Um, your blood pressure and heart rate increase and so does brain activity. Now, this is the stage of sleep that's thought to be when you dream um, and is most important for learning and creating new memories. And I know from my own personal experience that I've had, if I've had experiences during the day or I've seen people or I've watched something that that does show up in my dream. So it makes sense. And I can see how it would be the brain's way to process stuff. And I have also learned my lessons when it comes to watching a scary movie before you go to bed, because then that that's that shit shows up in your dream. <laughs> but you know, it, it kind of really highlights how our uh, experiences through our day uh, influence our sleep and influence what we're thinking about so that when we do sleep, our brain, it needs to kind of work through that. It may need to go, it's okay, that shit wasn't real, it was just a movie, but the physiological stresses that may um, may appear, say from being getting a fright or something like that, that, that physiological stressor is real. So our body needs to process that. And sleep is an opportunity for our body to work through that. Now, REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, happens every 90 minutes for the whole duration that you are asleep. Which, that just blows my mind. And I know some mornings I've woken up and I can remember a couple of dreams that I've had. And this would explain why. Because every 90 minutes, our brain goes into that rapid eye movement state and it processes things. And I guess it can't process it all at once, so it kind of does it in sections. And brains are pretty plop and clever. If you really think about it, it's like, how does it even know to do that? Who knows? But it does. And it's amazing. <laughs> For some folks, though, sleep 
can be challenging. People can suffer from insomnia. People can have sleep apnea. Um, and these are conditions that really influence how we're able to sleep. People who work night shifts or study late or have small humans to care for or have prescribed medications for other health reasons can also have their sleep impacted. Now, this is not to say that it is impossible for you to get quality sleep. It can just take a little more structure or a little bit of extra support. And one of the ways that I've found that has really helped myself and my crew, because when I train any folks, one of the biggest things that I will share with them is that sleep is actually more important than the training sessions that you do. Because sleep influences our body in such a huge way that if we're not getting enough sleep, then we can't ask our body to do the things we want because it's not going to be in a space to do so. And having a sleep routine, I've learned, is probably one of the best ways to start getting your body into a cycle where you can get the most quality sleep and the longest sleep that is possible. So how does a sleep routine work, you may be wondering. Well, (laughs) let's have a look at it now. So creating a sleep routine needs to be something that's going to work for you because there's no point in saying, uh, here's seven things that you can do if half of those aren't your jam. It's never going to work, but there are options. And the ones that I've found that have universally been most effective for a majority of people that I've supported with their sleep is setting yourself a time every night that you want to go to bed. So picking a time, it could be nine o'clock, it could be 10 o'clock, whatever it is, just pick that time and be like, this is when I'm going to go to bed. And then one hour before that time, start getting ready for bed. So this could be creating a nice little wind down routine. It can involve switching off screens. So stop stop uh, being on any social media. Don't watch movies or any of that sort of stuff. Now, this can be hard. I get it. And I know I'm often quite guilty of having a trouble putting down my phone or not watching too many Netflix episodes right before I go to bed. But switching off screens about an hour before you go to sleep is going to help because there's a sleep hormone in our brain called melatonin. And it is influenced particularly by blue light, which is what our computer screens, our phone screens, our TVs emit a lot of. And it messes up with how it functions in the brain. So our brain gets confused as to whether it's daytime or nighttime. And so when melatonin levels are low, we don't get sleepy. So creating a time that your brain can start to wind down, not be exposed to that blue light by switching off your screens is going to help. Also on that, if you have dimmable lights or if you have lamps, switching those on and and, um, turning your overhead lights off, they can also be a huge help as well because you're starting to get your brain to that kind of low light setting, which naturally would be kind of sunset, kind of way back in the prehistoric days when we would sleep when its sun went down and we would wake when the sun came up. So allowing our brains to kind of get into that cycle of the light gets dimmer, melatonin levels can start to increase and we can start to get sleepy can be super helpful. Now, doing something relaxing, like having a warm shower or bath before you go to bed, super great. Uh, And while you're doing that, either adding some essential oils to your bath or diffusing them uh, into the air can be really helpful as well. Lavender is a really great relaxing essential oil that uh, can help help, um, induce sleep because you just start to relax. And relaxing our bodies 
uh, is a really important way because if our body's in a state of stress, then we've got these responses in our brain going fight, flight, or freeze, not relax and sleep. <laughs> so trying to reduce the stress in the body really does help because we're not in that response of feeling like we've got to somehow protect ourselves because when our body wants to protect itself the last thing it's thinking of doing is laying down to sleep where you'd be really vulnerable and unsafe to attack so relaxing the body super important and having chamomile tea is another great way of helping that putting on snuggly or comfy pajamas if you're, I guess, somewhere where you can wear snuggly pajamas, but if not, just comfy pajamas. What works for you, you know, find that because it's going to be different for everyone. Now, reading a book can also be a really great way to help kind of get your mind down. Not, probably not a, an exciting book. I made the mistake. <laughs> I have made the mistake in the past of reading um, a book that required me to concentrate a lot. And it's just like, well, that's not very conducive to sleep. So just reading something that's really chill, find something that's not going to really stimulate you. And finally, one of the best ways I've found to help get the body relaxed and ready for sleep is by practicing deep breathing. Now, I actually talked about deep breathing back in one of my earlier episodes, which I will link to as well, because there's a little video that comes along with it where you can follow to learn how to deep breathe. So I will link to that in the show notes. So if deep breathing is something you want to practice to help relax your body, reduce stress and muscle tension, it's going to be, it's going to be a really flipping great way to start relaxing your body so you can get yourself ready to sleep. Now, this is not by means um, all of the things you can do, but these are some of the things that I've found with myself and working with my crew that have been the most effective because the most important thing you can do is find what works for you. And some of these may not be, say you don't like tea. That's okay. You do not have to drink tea, friend. <laughs> but you, you do what works for you. There's there's other stuff. And you can even look up other ways because this is, this is not all. These are just a few outlines. What I would recommend not doing is having a nightcap, like drinking alcohol. Alcohol is a stimulant. It is definitely not going to help you get a restful sleep. Even though if you drink enough of it, you will pass out. That is not quality sleep. It is not going to be good for your body. It's actually quite detrimental to your body. So I do recommend against drinking alcohol before bed because it's going to do the opposite to what you want. Now, there are other ways to help you get better sleep. And if a sleep routine is not something that works for you, say you try it out um, and you're still struggling with sleep, there are other options. Uh, and if it's not viable for you, so, so if you're someone who works night shift or you've got small humans to care for, it's not going to be as easy as going, oh, I'm just going to start a sleep routine and then it's going to be fine because that's not necessarily true. And you may not be able to, to have a routine uh, that works quite like this. But what you can do to catch up on sleep is have a nap through the day. I think I think now nanas were onto something when they realized that they could nap through the day because it actually does make a difference. Catching up and accumulating sleep in small bits over time can also be helpful. So you don't have to necessarily get it all done in one go. If you can have naps through the day, it will definitely help you out 
And I don't know about you, but I've, I know that there's been times where I've been super tired and I've had a nap and woken up and just been like, I am so fucking refreshed right now. Like world come at me. (laughs) So, so naps can be a really great way to kind of catch up on little bits of sleep here and there to help you out. So if you can't get into that routine, finding the best way that you can relax before you go to sleep is going to help. So if you can't do that whole routine, if before you do get a chance to go to sleep, you spend some time just doing some deep breathing, that can make a big benefit because it is going to relax your body and that's the most important part. So reducing that stress and that muscle tension in your body is going to be a really positive contributor to how easily you can get to sleep, and how long you can sleep for. So if you're someone who works night shift or has to study on certain nights, try to create a routine around the nights that you aren't doing those things can also be helpful. Because remember, it's not about being perfect. You don't have to be like perfect and get this right every single time. It's not like that. But if you can do it when you can, it is going to help. And on the days that you can't do it, you do the best you can, relax in the ways you can, do the little things that will help you as best that you can because that's what it's all about. This is not about perfection. This is about finding little things that can just make things a bit better. And sometimes sometimes you can maybe be able to get that routine in. Sometimes you may not. And that is totally okay. Now, if you are someone who has insomnia, if you are someone who has sleep apnea, Or you suspect that you might have sleep apnea. Because sometimes it can be hard to tell because if you're asleep, you don't really know what's happening when you're asleep. It's like people who snore but don't know that they snore until someone sleeps in a room with them and is just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you snore. (laughs) So going to a doctor or getting a referral, I think you need a referral, to a sleep clinic. But I'm not sure you might have to confirm that with whatever region you live in because I'm sure it's going to be different all over the place. But speaking to a GP or going to a sleep clinic may be a way of assessing exactly how you sleep and what you can do to improve your sleep. Because if you have sleep apnea, there's a pretty intense looking machine that you can get that helps. It gives your gives you oxygen. Because sleep apnea is when you are sleeping and you actually stop breathing. And so that you don't die, your body wakes you up so that you start breathing again. And it's this cycle that continues through the night and it may take... It may take, uh, you know, long times between the moments where you stop breathing or it may be really brief moments between the points when you stop breathing, but it disturbs your sleep. So you may sleep for eight hours, but it's really shallow sleep. You don't get that fifth stage of rapid eye movement sleep, which is really important for our health. And your GP or a sleep specialist may be able to support you with that. You may also be able to get melatonin uh, supplements. Because if you have a test done and they find that your melatonin levels are low, you can actually get a supplement which can help improve your sleep. There is some not kind of low risks with melatonin supplements because your body can actually become more dependent on the supplement than on creating the melatonin itself. So you want to be really mindful about how long you're taking it for and when you're taking it. So speaking to your doctor about that, it's probably going to be the best thing you can do just to make sure that you're doing it safely because we do want our bodies to be able to regulate these hormones themselves as best they can. But sometimes they do just need a little bit of help and that is totally okay. If it's going to improve your sleep and help you function better as a human and feel better in yourself and be able to do the things that you want to do, then it's definitely worth checking out. 
So let's recap. It's been a lot that we've talked about today. <laughs> we have gone over what sleep is and how it influences our bodies, our minds, and our whole lives with our moods, with how we eat, with how our immune system functions, with our stress levels. Sleep is that pivotal point in how your body is going to handle a situation. So having more sleep will help you handle stressful situations better and having a sleep deficit can make it harder to handle stressful uh, situations, whether they are physical, whether they are emotional or mental stressful situations. We've looked at what you can do to create a sleep routine. And now this is a method that I have used myself and that has worked with a number of the people that I train as well. So it is something that you can try out. I mean, it is not about being perfect. Find what works for you. That is the most important thing. Find a few things that work for you that can help you wind down before you go to sleep at night. And we've looked at what you can do if you are unable to create a sleep routine for whatever reason. And you may need that little extra support by chatting with your doctor or seeing if you can access a sleep clinic to really find out what's going on for you. Now, if you are wanting to know how you can create your own sleep routine, I have actually made a little guide that I'm going to link in the show notes for you that you can download, fill it out and really start planning what you can do to help support your sleep because sometimes it just takes writing a few dot points and having that little goal because when you can see it kind of written down it does make it easy to achieve it's like right I know what I've got to do and if I am feeling a bit forgetful I can look at my I can look at my sleep routine plan and it just helps it just help makes things easier because sometimes I actually don't think we're ever taught we're not really taught to create a routine for ourselves around sleep and it's one of the biggest self-care acts that we can actually do for ourselves. So I'm going to link to a little guide on how to create your own sleep routine so you can start figuring out how to do the right things for you when it comes to your sleep. And they will be in the show notes. And I really hope that you jump in, write down your things and enjoy that one. It's something my crew has used and really found a lot of benefit with planning. And I would love to be able to share that with you. So jump in and check that one out. Now, you can find out more about what we talked about today. If you have questions, by shooting us a message. You can email us. You can go to our website, www.fearlessmovement.co, and you can email us there any questions that you have about the show. You can find us on Facebook at Fearless Movement Collective, and you can direct message us if you want to get a fast answer, or you can direct message us on Instagram at nongenderedfitness. If you would like to find me on Instagram, you can find me at the No TNB or Fearless Movement Collective as Fearless Movement Co. So until next week, friends, remember, find that routine that works for you. Work with what you've got. Work with what's going to feel good. You're going to rock it. You're going to rock it really low-key, relaxing style. <laughs> and you are totally amazing. And I hope you have the most wonderful time with your sleep or exploring how you can sleep. Have a right as day pass. <laughs>